So this is the audit room on Clubhouse. We meet every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. It's 11 a.m. Chicago time. My name is Trent Russell. I'm the co-host, um, host of the audit podcast as well, and founder of Green Skies Analytics, where we basically help internal audit actually use data analytics. Uh, my co-host, Tracy, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Thanks, Trent. So, um, I am Tracy Marquardt. I'm based out of Canada and Germany, known as Europe's leading audit communication consultant. And I've been teaching, training, coaching, consulting internal audit teams on communication leadership and productivity since 2005. And I'm very excited this week I'm doing something new. I've got a CAE mastermind coming up on Thursday. So it's a little different from the webinars that I normally do. It's a very small targeted audience. So it'll be interesting to report back next week on how that goes. And that's it for me. All right. Thanks, Tracy. Thomas, you want to do an intro? Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and what your company does and uh, how you help internal auditors. Sure, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, by the way. I really appreciate it. So my name is Thomas Mullenix. I am based in Houston, Texas. Uh, today it's actually partly cloudy, which is the first time it has been just pouring down rain and it feels like months, but uh, I'm the owner and founder of Revision Management Consulting. Uh, we focus on internal audit, internal controls, uh, pre-IPO work, and a little bit of accounting as well. Uh, I started it about three and a half years ago uh, and have been in the audit and consulting world for about 15 years now and just love every minute of it. And so the topic, thanks, Thomas. The topic today is any great auditors still out there. And so, Thomas, I know you are heavily involved with um, providing internal audit resources, IT auditors, things of that nature um, for, for co-sourcing and outsourcing needs. And so you have a lot of interaction with a lot of folks in the profession um, and know about, you know, hiring and, and how to find a good auditor. And so one of the things I'm going to talk about with was or get your thoughts on was just the struggles with finding great internal audit resources post COVID. Um, maybe not just the consultants that you, that you work with, but also full time hires. So, uh, what's what's kind of the what are you what have you seen in, in being in this and being in that space? And what kind of guidance can you provide the listeners? Sure. So, it's real interesting. Uh, it seems like most companies had some type of cuts during 2020 of audit staff. Uh, sometimes it was staff level, management level, even internal audit directors. Uh, and all of a sudden they hit 2021 and they're like, oh, we, we still need these people. You know, we, we still have to be compliance with, with Sarbanes-Oxley or we still have these audits that need to be done or the external auditors are asking questions and we don't have anybody that can answer the questions. And, uh, so it seems like there's been a sudden just mad dash of uh, needing to be in compliance and needing to find people. And that's what I'm seeing right now is uh, I, I normally have 10 to 15 people kind of on a, a short list that I would use for consultants. And I suddenly look up and all or most of them are suddenly in full-time roles or on long-term projects because the needs just suddenly just shot up. Uh, so I think that's a big challenge right now is finding not just a warm body to fill the role, but the quality people that have the experience that you need for some of these specific uh, positions. And I tell you, it's a challenge right now. You would think with, with remote working that you, know, you can search the entire country for, for auditors and you can find someone, but people are still looking for 
more localized talent. Uh, it, it could be a challenge right now. I have seen more posts about remote work. Are you seeing it similar in, in your area? Or are you saying it's still people want to be local uh, by and large? Uh, by and large, I'm seeing more local. Uh, I, I'm of the, the opinion that uh, the hybrid work style is going to be the most beneficial uh, and the, the way to go moving forward. I don't think 100% remote is going to be here for long, to be to be honest. Uh, I've got a, a, a wide <laughs> opinion on that one, but because of that, I think there's quite a few that are still used to the traditional way of, you know, you want to see someone, you want to meet with them, you want to go out to lunch with them, uh, you know, have them in the office. Um, so I'm definitely seeing a more trend, or at least here in the Houston area, of wanting people that are local. I know you have high standards for the folks that you work with, and I think Gen Z, I, I don't know, depending on what you read, what that when that year starts and stops, but I, you know, I think I read something where there's, I think maybe two to three years right now, like the, the folks that have just entered the workforce in the past two to three years are kind of in that Gen Z um, area. Do you think it is a, maybe those folks are looking for more remote work as opposed to, um, we'll just say older people <laughs> for lack of better words, but. 100%, I think the, the younger crowd is, uh, coming in a little more demanding as far as wanting that remote work, uh, wanting to set their own hours, wanting to have a lot more flexibility with their, their job requirements in their career. Uh, I'm not saying that they're wrong, but I think that's the, the view they're coming in. And I know it, it really, I'm 41 years old, so I've seen several kind of you know, groups come through now and it seems like every year, you know, every time a new generation comes out, they say, oh, they want more money and they expect more perks and they expect more of this and that. Uh, so I'm sure they said it about my generation whenever I came out as well. But uh, it definitely seems like they're more rigid on, you know, not necessarily company loyalty, but what can the company do for me and how can I stay remote and have uh, more personal life going on? Uh, and to the people that are coming into the industry that, that are, have that two to three years of experience or even just fresh out of college. Uh, I think my main advice to them is have the opposite mindset. You know, how can I support the company? How can I provide that value? Yes, I'm willing to work hybrid. Yes, I'm willing to go into the office. And once you get your foot in the door and once you have that experience, then I think you have a little more uh, ability to say, hey, you've got me coming in the work in the office five days a week right now. Can we bump that down to three? You know, showing a little more, uh, and then I think you'll get a little more uh, flexibility in that role, but you also have a better opportunity of getting your foot in the door instead of just demanding this complete remote work environment. Yeah, I think that's good advice. And I can say when I first started out in my career and I was an external audit for about the first six months, I was remote and by myself in the office and, and doing actual client work. So it's definitely not uh, impossible, but I do like the, the mindset that you mentioned, Thomas. Tracy, I'll throw it to you. I know you had a question or comment and then. <laughs> yeah, I, I, we're three questions in, so I'm not quite sure which point I want to cover, but I think, you know, I think with millennials, I think they do want to come in and help create positive change and innovate. And, and, um, it's very hard in this environment, maybe to do some of that. I know here in Europe, there are, I, from from all of my clients, there wasn't uh, they weren't cutting auditors. They were 
um, trying to fill spots, basically, because they're so what, you know, once one person leaves, it's very, very hard market to try and find someone to replace them. And salaries are quite high in areas like Frankfurt and the, the, the main cities. And um, everyone's still remote working right now. So there will be, I'm, I'm convinced that there will not be 100% um, uh, back to non-remote work, even if they wanted to before 2022, maybe end of Q1. I think they're going to they're going to graduate it here. I, I think the, the U.S. will probably speed up on that kind of thing. But um, it's definitely hard to find uh, the right staff. And it's also, I think, hard to find a competent external person. So I'll leave it there for now. Okay. And Julio Torado is on the stage. If you want to come off mute now, Julio, you can uh, ask your, your question or give your comment. Yeah. Hey, well, good morning or good afternoon, everybody. Uh, thank you for the discussion. Hey. A question for Thomas, but I'm happy to hear anybody answer it. Uh, the I'm curious about your you guys' opinion uh, regarding the supply and demand for auditors with IT and security skills. This is something that's going to come up in a little bit, and something that I'm going to co-facilitate. But I would love to hear your latest, uh, kind of the latest opinion about what are you seeing out there in terms of the demand for folks with these skills, and just how many of them are available applying for these positions. Thanks for the question, Julio. Uh, I, I think we're seeing the same trend that we've been seeing for the several years now, and that's uh, there's always a need for IT auditors. Uh, I think that trend is just going to continue growing and escalating. And uh, I've actually got a, an intern for me uh, that's working with me this summer, and I told him point blank, if you want a guaranteed job, do IT auditing, because I, you're, I guarantee you there's going to be a demand for them for for many many years if not you know for for, for as long as there are auditors uh so yes i definitely think but i think the hard part about it audit is staying current on your information your it information you know the it landscape uh, evolves so quickly so staying current on it is very very important thank you and i'll throw it to tracy but before that real quick and speaking of it audit if if you don't have an IT background, uh, but it's an area of interest. If you just understand IT general controls and how those work, so change management, logical access, and then other IT GCs, that kind of framework, which is what um, folks use for doing financial statement audits or external audits, uh, just that framework is something you can apply to pretty much every audit because every audit is going to have a system within that system we need to understand that the changes being made to the system are appropriate the appropriate people have access to it and then the backups and job scheduling and all that is taken care of so if nothing else i think we should all be um at a level to be able to at least speak to the various it general controls and there's only a handful maybe 12 15 of them so anyway go ahead tracy I 100% agree with you because you just spoke to my background. Uh, I started more on the financial control side and learned the IT control, ITGC, uh, and then that really helped my career. And then it also evolved over to the uh, SOC 2 type 2 mm -hmm. uh, advisory practices as well. So sorry, Tracy, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I 100% agree with the trend. No, that's okay. It's one of, it's one of my points as well. I mean, if if you know, we used to say they're IT companies, but isn't every company an IT company and shouldn't every auditor be an IT auditor at, at some level because of how companies are run today and the importance of data in companies? 
Um, and I, so I, I'm not familiar with what those qualifications would be, but it makes sense what, what Trent said that everybody, I think every auditor should have a basic grounding in IT audit because those are the positions that are the hardest to fill over here um, in, in Europe and in Germany specifically is IT audit positions. There aren't enough qualified people, but I think it's, it's a skill that's needed more and more and more by every auditor. That's it for me. Appreciate it, Tracy. Thomas, what, what do you look for when you're looking to hire someone? What are the, the attributes that you look for in a person? Maybe like the top five skills or top three to five skills that you're looking for right now, maybe outside sure. of IT. So, so maybe more um, soft skills even. Sure. So uh, for my firm, when I created my firm, uh, one of the minimum requirements was eight years of relevant experience with whatever the type of project is that I'm trying to staff. Uh, so because I think the uh, eight years is kind of that magic number where they've uh, had enough hands-on, they've had some management experience as well, uh, where they can really, I hate buzzwords, but add value, right? Um, but then uh, the, it's important to have those skills to where you can actually listen and interact with others. Uh, you have to be able to get along with, you know, that person that's fresh out of college, that's a staff accountant, to be able to ask them questions and turn around and walk over to the CFO's office and, and talk with them and be able to speak with them at that same level. So uh, having the ability to interact with, you know, not just older and younger people, but also in a variety of different uh, positions and functions. Now, talking to someone in purchasing versus talking to someone in IT, those are two very different style people. Uh, so having that flexibility, almost being a chameleon-like in, in how you can talk with people I think is one of the most critical uh, factors you need, one of those personality traits you need to have. Uh, also being uh, very analytical, really being able to look at data, really be able to study and really be able to understand it and identify any kind of anomalies. Um, obviously as an auditor that brings out a, a lot of value where you can see something that's just not right, whether it's fraud or just an, an honest mistake. Uh, so, yeah, I think those are the, the most critical you know, attributes that someone needs to have in, in the audit world. But uh, having that personality really comes, helps go over the top because then people will start talking to you and you learn a lot of information just from those one-on-one -on -one interactions that, that uh, just looking at a spreadsheet might not tell you. Yeah, and, and I think I'll let Tracy speak to this more, but the the... <laughs> Being able to communicate to your audience and know your audience is a big piece of communication and you have me, the analytics person and Tracy, the communications person, and you just said both of those are, are tops for you. So I think, Thomas, you've kind of nailed the uh, that aspect of it. And that's what I'm wondering, because every data analyst have all the people skills. I mean, I have other things I want to talk about, you know, based on what Thomas said, but how how are the data analytics folks? Do they have... You know, because it used to, we used to, back in the old days, make fun of IT auditors, you know, because uh, you're talking to a computer the whole time instead of people. How are the data analytics folks com for communication skills? 50-50 um, is what I would say. Some are rely, I would say, too much on the data um, and don't speak for themselves. And there's, there's good that comes with that also, especially if we're talking about telling a story with data or trying to communicate with data and using visualizations. There's a lot that can be said for having that skill set. Um, but there's there's 
still the the stereo uh, stereotype that sticks with some folks for sure. And Pavle is um, in the audience also. He is our um, future grad, I think, right? I think this semester is when Pavle will graduate from Johns Hopkins. So what would be some advice from anyone that's on the stage? Um, we can we can talk specifically about Pavle, uh, but generally speaking for those that are coming out, because Thomas, I know you're talking about having eight years worth of experience. Uh, what about those folks that are just entering the profession? So, uh, like I said, I've got an intern right now, and he is graduating at the end of, of August. And my first bit of advice for him was to be more active on LinkedIn. Uh, when he started with me, I think he had two connections on LinkedIn. Uh, so I challenged him to have 200 by the end of, of the summer, but not just 200, but to have 200 meaningful, purposeful, you know, connections. So he's been going through my network and connecting with internal audit directors, CFOs, uh, you know, those type of people. Uh, and for anyone that's listening to this, thank you for, for connecting with my, uh, my intern to, to, to help his career, hopefully in the future. But uh, being active in uh, the IIA, the ACFE, you know, those type of organizations, I think that's really, really important because uh, your, your network uh, you're, you're building your brand within your network, whether you're just one person or you have your own company. Uh, and that brand can help get your foot in the door that you wouldn't have had otherwise. So, you know, getting the getting those opportunities, getting in front of people, volunteering, the more they see your name, the more they see you, the more comfortable they are with you, and the more successful you'll be. Absolutely. Uh, love that advice. Go ahead, Tracy. No, I think that's brilliant advice. You know, LinkedIn is million-dollar real estate. And you can, you know, use it to create your own brand and to make those connections because they're, they're so important for someone, you know, whether you're at our stage of our careers or whether you're you're starting out there, they're super, super important. So 200 is a good target. Once he hits that, set it for 500 of those meaningful contacts. I also think, uh, you know, for the new person, and I know, Pavla, you're welcome to come up and, and join us in the conversation if you want. Um, but, you know, listening skills and questioning skills that Thomas mentioned earlier, so important curiosity, because I think we don't all come or not everyone comes with that, that personality that's ready to just, you know, learn not to, and, and not just come and learn, but also to, to bring innovative ideas to a team that maybe some of us who are older and been in the biz a long time would benefit from just a fresh perspective on how we can get things done. So those are all great skills for um, new folks coming into the profession. I'm done speaking. I'll just throw a, a, a pro pro tip for LinkedIn and coming out of school that I've, I've talked to some uh, students that have reached out to me on LinkedIn about how to get a job or whatever. Uh, on LinkedIn, you can go to your school and see everyone that came from that school that's on LinkedIn. And then you could look up by job title who came from your school and you have an instant um, connection with them in the sense of, Hey, I also went to this school. I'm interested in what you're doing. I would like to do the same someday. Would you be willing to um, offer any guidance in that, you know, in that way or that path? And people really like to give out advice because <laughs> it's about them talking about themselves and uh, how great they are and how they got to where they are. 
And so just asking for advice uh, from those people is a fantastic way to build a relationship with them. And then more times than not, they'll say, you know, well, you know, this is what I'm doing. And if you're interested, let me introduce you to some folks and, you know, we're hiring for this position or whatever it is. And uh, I've, I, I know some people that I've coached through that that have found success doing it. So that's my LinkedIn pro tip for the day. So then we, we've talked about what to look for, uh, which is which is obviously great. We can focus on those. What should, Thomas, what characteristics do you look to avoid when you're hiring someone? So I had lunch with a gentleman. Uh, it's probably been a year and a half ago now. And we sit down and his background and his experience, his resume looked fantastic. And he looked like someone I could put on any project that would do great. Uh, the lunch lasted an hour and 15 minutes. And about an hour and 10 of that, he spoke about himself without taking a breath. Uh, I'm still not sure how he actually ate his lunch. He was just <laughs> talking nonstop. Uh, and it was about not just what he had accomplished in internal audit, but it was about personal stuff of, trips he had taken and events he had done and uh, I think he was a hiker talking about some of the hikes he had completed and it, it made the entire lunch about him and nothing else and you know I'm fine with with talking about yourself and, and that was part of the purpose of the lunch but when you're that self-involved how can you listen to others and actually hear what's going on uh, so that that is the the biggest red flag for me uh, if you can't, you know, have an, an even conversation, ask people about themselves, really actually listen uh, instead of that waiting for your turn to speak type mentality, uh, that's the biggest red flag. Uh, you, you've got to get out of your own way. Yeah, and it's a tough skill to learn to be able to ask questions instead of talking all the time. I know I had to literally learn that skill and just because somebody will say something, especially maybe if it's about like travel or, or a hobby or something, it's it's you're very eager to jump in and connect with them on that and kind of tell your life story. Uh, but I've definitely, I mean, I still to this day, I've, I've had conversations and I've walked away afterwards and gone, I talked way too much. <laughs> I should have asked more questions. One of the most uh, ways that you can be interesting or a way that you can be the most interesting as a person is to ask people questions, especially really good questions. And that uh, it, in and of itself is just how you can be, uh, people will find you interesting if you ask them questions as opposed to telling them all about you and who you are. Uh, Tracy, this is kind of your hotspot. You want to uh, speak to this? I don't know. I think you're a master at asking the right questions, Trent, to be honest. Uh, listening is so important. You, you gather so much information and it goes back to what you said, Trent, about knowing your audience. If you don't ask and you don't listen to the answer, how can you even carry on a conversation then? You can't learn about the person. You can't learn about the business, and especially if it's a job interview. I, I wanted to share my favorite um, interview experience. I was interviewing someone. Um, this was back in the days when I was in California, and I needed another person for my team. So we, because he was at a distance, we did a telephone interview. And at the end of the, I don't know if it was 30 minutes or whatever it was, 45. And I said, um, just by any chance, are you lying down? Because you can you can hear in someone's voice, right, what what they're physically doing, and he said, "Yeah, I'm lying on the sofa," <laughs> and I said, "All right, then. Well, thanks very much." He never got a second interview because he couldn't get his butt from a lying position to even make the effort for a job interview. 
So that's that's the one experience I will never ever forget in terms of interviewing someone. Right. I'm done. I will never record this show lying down. That is a note taken. All right, well, we're, uh, we're coming up against time. Thomas, I'll let you um, close us out with, with this. This is a question I've, I've been asking lately and um, one I've really uh, found some good answers for. And so if you could grab every auditor in the world by the shoulders and shake them and say, just do this, will you just do this? What, what would that be? And then um, we'll kind of close out the show. Oof, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, pay attention to details. Yeah, that's the big one. Pay attention to details. Uh, you know, one of the tests that I do when someone reaches out to me saying they're interested in working for me, and they normally send me a message on LinkedIn, I respond back with, shoot me an email, include your resume, and then I always ask for one more bit of information, and it's normally just something random because I'm doing that to see, are they paying attention to details and will they actually follow instruction as, as they're requested? If they can't do that simple, those three simple things, I'm not gonna consider using them. So paying attention to details uh, will help, well, for one thing, make your job easier because then you're not gonna have as many review notes, your, your reports are gonna be better, you're gonna be a better auditor, you're gonna catch things that won't necessarily be caught. Uh, so having those, that patience and really watching the details will definitely make you a better auditor and have a more successful career. That is one of the best yeah. examples I've well, heard. I want to know one, one of those questions now that you've mentioned it, Thomas. Uh, sometimes it's, um, you know, depending on the project that I'm, I'm trying to staff, sometimes it's, uh, are you willing to travel in the month of June? Uh, or, uh, you know, you're putting me on the spot right now. I'm trying to remember some other questions. Um, you know, I see you work with, you know, XYZ, what was one of the audits you did for them? Uh, you know, something specific that they can't just accidentally answer in that email. They have to, it's something they have to think about and purposely answer. Great, thanks. All right, well, we will wrap it up. Thomas, thanks a ton for coming on. We will um, post a link to your LinkedIn profile and your company profile in the show notes as we post this to the audit podcast. Julio, thanks a ton for coming up on the stage. We will, uh, I'll see you in what, like 30 minutes for your uh, your cybersecurity session. Really looking forward to that. You got it. Thanks. I am Trent Russell, co-host of the Audit Room on Clubhouse, host of the Audit Podcast and founder of Green Skies Analytics. Um, Tracy, you can take us out. Right. I am Tracy Marquardt, Europe's leading audit communication consultants and founder of Quality Assurance Communication. And I'm so thankful for everyone to join us today in the room. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you, Pablo and Julio. And we'll see you next week. And let's support each other on LinkedIn, okay? All right. That would be wonderful. Thing. See you next week. Bye for now.